The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. There is no stopping in a red zone. I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. What? I'm in airplane mode. Oh dear. Definitely hearing the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Now what I need... You weren't planning on driving any time in the next three weeks, were you? Well, no, <laughs> we're not very far. Okay. Actually, for the benefit of the tape, <laughs> I do now want to stress, there is nothing in this coffee apart from coffee. And hot water. And hot water. And copious amounts of sh- sugar. Just sugar. Just sugar? Nothing alcoholic. What? I've got to drive later. Who are you and what have you done with my I've life? I've got to drive later. If I didn't have to drive, I'd be absolutely whammed by now. Yeah, good point. What is it? Oh, is it that early? Crikey. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> that was thought-provoking. It was. <clears throat> Not as thought-provoking as we're about to go with episode 46 of Frithcast. Lovely listeners, squidging round the virtual campfire. Squid, 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 squid. Pull up a log. Settle in. Log, log, Warm log, your log. knees. Grab a coffee. Grab a bun. Do your thing. It's time for Frithcast number 46. We've done the music, haven't we? So we, we don't get to the music again. Yeah, no, we, we're good for that bit. We're just, we're just reminding. We're just uh, recapping. It's episode 46. We're here. Campfire. You know, authentic yeah. nighttime trees in the forest, despite the fact I've just said it's really early in the day, um, and that I've got to drive later. But yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's still Virtual, yeah mental headspace campfire thing. Yeah, chilly, chilly out space. So welcome to episode forty six of Frithcast. I'm Suzanne Martin, and I'm Kate, and I'm a um, I'm a sort of a. Very coffee powered this Romany, morning. kind of, not Romany, Roman ish kind of druidy thing. Yeah. Not not heathen, basically. Romano British. Well, I'm not druid. Just, just Roman pagan, really. Uh, with a hint of druid. Um, and coffee. And coffee. And uh, I, I basically just sit about the place because I live here and it's, you know. Valuable intellectual insight. I get under your feet. Well, not really, no. <laughs> doing just fine. So what what are we going to be talk, talking about today? Because I'm, I'm eager to know. Well, I thought today we'd look a bit more at the theory behind faith. Okay. And today I am going to drag out all the big words that you need to win Scrabble. I'd like to talk you, about something. Are you subtly telling me to stay on point? 
I'm suddenly telling you to throw all the geeky references in, otherwise this episode is going to be heavy. And, you know, it's all right, but it's nice to throw a few geek bits sell in it to Sell it to people. It's going to be exciting elevator. and informative. and Elevator pitch. You need elevator. to listen to it. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. There we yeah. go. Done. All right, so, carry on. I'm going to talk about theological reflection and praxis. Oh, my crikey. Told I'm you. sorry, what now? I told you. Oh. I told you. Now, I can tell you. Go on. With Fish. my knowledge. Kite. Fish. <laughs> what can you tell me? Come on, Kate, spit it out. Praxis. Yes. Was the Klingon's key energy production facility. Not right here it isn't. But yes, it is. But it isn't now. Because Records. there's now a thing. It just Kitten Records, exactly, yeah. were, 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 were pushed because the Klingons were, were, were struggling for energy and they had to sue for peace. Now... They this didn't have a little Klingon Duracell buddy thing going on. No, they didn't. Now, interesting point uh, in cinematography, in special effects. Mm. Y- y- that thing where th- they added to Star Wars when the Death Star exploded, where that ring comes out of it. Mm. And they used it as well in um, uh, the prequels when uh, Boba Fett is shooting at uh, Obi-Wan in the asteroid field and he keeps blowing up asteroids. And, and the, they, they yeah, the asteroids have a plane of explosion. That yeah, plane what of, is that going on? That plane of explosion is now called the Praxis Effect. Oh. Because it's named after when Praxis exploded in Star Trek Six, because that was the first time they used it. Thagamizer. Mm. The Thagamizer, exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's one of those, isn't it? Ooh. So I'm going to talk today a little bit about theological reflection, its application in modern heathenry, and Praxis. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry. You're going to rescue us all from our... I was going to say ignorance. I don't want to call our listeners ignorance. No. Ig- ignorance. I don't ignorance. want to call them ignorance. No. Ignorance incarnate. No. No. Because, no. you know, they're all kind of smart folks, right? They might be sitting there going, I know exactly what praxis is. Yeah. I ain't. No. It took me a while to get my head around it. Okay. But to be fair, theological reflection is probably something that a lot of people of faith already do. Okay. And it is looking at... If you take it down to like one sentence, it's looking at your life and interpreting the things in that life through your faith, through like a lens of your faith, through having faith glasses on and you're seeing things through that faith in your life. Kind of like beer goggles, but different. Yeah. Okay. Faith goggles. Faith goggles. You have a little (laughs) pair of faith goggles on and you're looking at things in your life with faith goggles on. Okay. This is... Theolog- this is the, the essence of theological reflection, is looking at things with faith goggles on, right. instead of beer goggles on, which possibly has slightly more spectacular and doom-laden results. I don't know. <laughs> it depends how successful you are with your beer goggles. Oh, dear. Um, but faith goggles, you already probably do that. If you've ever, as a heathen, looked and seen something that you interpret as a sign from the gods. Okay. If you see two blackbirds and you think, whoa, and it becomes a little moment of connection for you, a little moment of inspiration, a little moment of, ooh. Hoogin and Moonin. Yeah. My faith comes into into focus in that one moment. Yeah. That, if you take uh, an atheist, a Muslim, a Christian, and you as a heathen looking at those two birds... You as a heathen will see something that the other three don't see. You will make a connection that they don't interpret the same way. Yeah. 
the Christian may look at it and be reminded of the raven that was released from the ark and found land. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking dove, but there was a raven as well, wasn't there? There was a raven as well. Yeah. I'm not sure. The atheist might just kind of look at them and go, oh, look, birds, that's very nice. You know? <laughs> Orny, I was about to say ornithopter. No, not ornithopter. Ornithopter. Not orthoraptor, the other thing. Or- Ornithologist. Ornithologist, yes. Thank you. Bird, excitable birding person. Yes. Might look at two birds and go, oh, look, there's two birds, it's very nice. Yeah. But that won't have a faith connotation for them. Mm. For heathens, you see two black birds, you might theoretically look and make that connection in your memory and that might become a very special little faith moment just for you, that little moment, flash of inspiration. Yeah. If you have a cat suddenly turning up on your doorstep, deciding that you are its home now, which reminds me, where's she gone? I don't know. But suddenly gone quiet around here. Yeah, makes me worried as well. Yeah. But yeah, if on. you have a cat that suddenly decides to turn up and walks in and makes itself very comfy, thank you very much. Yeah. And decides to look at you and you will feed me now, pathetic bold human slave. <laughs> where is my dinner? Then you might have that understanding that Freya is working in your life. Okay. You might not as a heathen, but you might make that connection. Okay. And those little ways of connecting to your faith in your own life is what theological, part of what theological reflection is, is about. Yeah. It's looking at your life through faith goggles. Okay. If you like. Yeah. You have a faith lens, you have values that are built into your faith that you can then interpret in your everyday understanding. Hmm. So, I mean, it comes down to, I'm fairly sure we've, we've talked before about the, the sort of subjective nature of um, kind of religious interpretation of, interpretations of things. I use the word religion, religious advisedly. I know not, not, not everybody's keen on the word, but for ease of mm. reference. Faiths, um, beliefs. Yeah, I mean, I, you know... One, a, Particular a, ways of looking at the world. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Um, but it, there, there is this... Um, you know, I've had many discussions with, with, with people who said, well, you know, you, you, you look at the sun and see the sun god. Well, what? obviously it's just this big ball of gas. And I'm like, yes, I understand that. But at the same time, there is, a, there is this additional aesthetic layer that, yeah. that, that <clears throat> a religious position sort of brings with it that just yeah. is absent for... I say absent like it's a lack, but, you know, that, that person just does not see... They, they see what is... You know, scientifically there, without Mm. that layer of interpretation on it. Theological reflection. Indeed. I've heard of it. Yeah. So we're looking at things through faith goggles. Indeed. Now, that's only part of this process. Okay. So you, as a heathen, you look at things in your life through faith goggles. Yep. You make decisions based on the knowledge you have of your faith. So when you are faced with a situation, you look at it and go, what would Thor do? (laughs) Yeah. And you apply the values of your faith. WTTD. Yeah. You apply the, value, the values of your You'll not find that on a pair of laces. W-T-T-S-W-A-H. Oh, no, W-W-T. What, what, are, you W-W-T. Ac- what are you making acronyms of? S-W-A-H. What would Thor smack with a hammer? Yeah, much more likely, yeah. actually. Or who? I need that on a pin badge. <laughs> So, when 
you are looking at things through faith goggles, through yep. the lens of your faith, through you're taking the values that are inherent in your faith, the, the stories, the myths, the decisions that you see being made in your faith, yep. and you are applying them to the situations that you face, that the decisions that you face every day. Okay. So it might be that you come across a situation at work and you think, how do the nine noble virtues apply to this? Mm-hmm. It might be that you think, what part of the part of the myth cycle resonates and is parallel to the situation I am facing? What happened in the myth cycle? Can I apply that to what happened here? Okay. So it's kind of like taking the values and tenets and information in your faith and applying it to your own life. Like, it's separate from prayer. Like the Greeks used to do, <clears throat> because as we know, Roman Roman tradition doesn't have an awful lot of mythology. Mm. It's mostly about relationships and transactions and dynamics that yeah. sort of thing but it doesn't have it doesn't have the sort of wealth of, of 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 story that the greek tradition has yeah even though the two have become you know largely meshed sort of meshed together so, oh, and we now think of greco-roman or romano-greek or whatever yeah but in greek tradition the, the a lot of the myth a lot of the purpose of the the best of myth cycle you know perseus and all mm. that uh, was to teach you the appropriate thing to do in a certain in certain situations, the values to aspire to, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Exactly they would that. be they would be doing the same thing that you're yes, talking yeah. about. Yeah. So that in essence what you're already doing is a very short version of theological reflection. So what I want to do is look at that that decision making process that you go through as a heathen when you are looking at a situation or a decision and you apply faith instinctively to it, yeah, you are applying that information instinctively to it. So if you split it down into stages, the first thing you are doing in your super fast brain is you are identifying the issue. Okay. You're working on a single thorny problem, a single decision, a single choice that you have to make. Yeah. A single thing that you want to explore to see if there are things that you can apply your faith into. Mm. Step one, identify the issue. Indeed. Step two, step three, profit. (laughs) I'm getting an underpants theme here. Are you? (laughs) Excellent. My work here is done. Bit of a motif going on. Bit of a motif going on. So your second part of that process the second step that your brain will probably partly do automatically and you're thinking well if i'm doing it automatically why do i need to learn the theory Mm. it's because if you can bring this into conscious thought and do each step in turn it becomes more focused you give yourself time and space to put more things into that decision making process Mm. so the next step you do is you look at all of the factors that are involved in that decision okay so you build what they call a, like a big description of it. Mm. So you put in the context of whatever it is, you put in the perspectives, you put in any kind of imagery attached to it, you write it all down. Okay. Write down everything to do with that. Right, our kindred has a decision to make. Let's take it step by step. Mm. So let's write down all the considerations we've got about what's happening. So it's you know everything psychological about it everything sociological about it because what the more detail you can put in at this stage 
the deeper the next stages will be, if you like. Right. So give yourself time and space to write this bit out. Okay. If you want to write it out. This is where you bring the faith part in. So you look at faith tradition, you mm -hmm. look at your own theology, you look at your own experiences with the gods, with the ancestors, with the land spirits, you look at what it says in the myth cycle, in the Havamal, in the runes. Yeah. That's why it's important to build that thick description because if you've got an image in there that is, is part of your description, see if that image links to something in the law. Okay. So what you then do is your last bit. You allow those insights to illuminate what's going on. Okay. So you allow them to help reframe things, help you see things in a different light. Mm -hmm. This is not a process where you're looking for evidence of your own point of view to back yourself up. Right. Are you sure? I'm sure, because that's a bit harsh, and what you're trying to do is find different ways of looking at the situation and allowing that change to happen, which I know is quite a scary thing for some people. Can be. Because you're thinking, well, of course I'm right. Why can't everybody else see it that way? I hate change. I can't deal with change at all. <clears throat> well, this, this process well, invites do, but... change. Mm. So when you get to this point of looking at things maybe in a different way, you mm. have to allow that change to happen and not just dig yourself deeper into your own hole because from that you will not sort of spiritually grow and spiritually reconnect yeah, with what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose this is, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge, I suppose, many of us. I mean, some people embrace it. Some people, and I know, you know, when I've, I've, had, I've had employers before who have been very keen on, on, on embracing change and, mm. and all this kind of thing. And you have to be able to say all the right, all the right things. And I've, I've said the right things because you do, don't you? But, you know, some people genuinely do get excited about change and, and enthusiastic about it. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very sort of... Um, uh, I'm a very cautious person. I'm like, mm, don't know, yeah. you know. But it's part of this is, I suppose, about overcoming that tendency, which a lot of people have. I mean, yeah. I mean, know, this this it's... whole process invites change. Yeah, yeah. So if you are looking at it with the fact that it's like, no, I want to use the out of context references to back my own position up because I am definitely right. Yeah. This process ain't going to work for you. Yeah, that's that's. It's, you've got to be able to see things from another way that's not theological reflection that's a twitter debate <laughs> it is it's not a debate being questionable well yeah granted so your last step in this whole process is the action part okay from the fact that you've sat and you've thought about it and you've kind of just settled into things and you've looked at maybe looked at the law mm -hmm. you don't have to have an absolute encyclopedic knowledge of of everything before you start this process. It can be done at any point during your journey. Yeah. You can use the law that you know to illuminate what you have. Okay. You know, what if I have to make a decision and I'm single mindedly going after it, I might look at Scarvey, mm. who single mindedly went after what she wanted. She didn't quite get it in the way she wanted it. Well, there's a life lesson. Yeah, which helps me apply that understanding to my own situation. Can I achieve this, but might it 
do I need to achieve it in a specific way or am I just happy with achieving it? Yeah. Can I apply, you know, the thought process that she must have gone through to try and illuminate my own understanding of what I'm facing? Mm -hmm. The last point of the cycle is what they call praxis. Okay. Which is theology. It's looking at faith... it boils down to it being faith in action. Faith in action, yeah. Yeah. I I'm I'm going to jump in and say I I do actually see that now because uh, I've I've heard um, Roman religion described as opposed to being um, orthodoxic. orthodoxic, yeah, which means you have a specific set of beliefs that you're supposed to follow. Yeah, and it's the ritual in that specific order that is the important part of your faith. In Roman religion, it's the ritual that's important, or at least as, as, it, as it used to be. Catholic faith is the same. Catholic faith, I suppose, is, is, is somewhat orthopraxic uh. because it is the action of... The, the physical action of manifesting your faith is important. Yes. I can't speak for Catholicism. I know there is a lot of ritual in Catholicism in comparison to other Christian traditions, yes, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I can speak for... High ritual Christianity. I can speak for, for, for Roman paganism, and that was... Certainly back then was very, very... I mean, I'm not a ritualistic person myself by any stretch, but certainly back then it was it was about doing the proper forms. Yes, in you order said to the proper words. Proper words at the proper time, by the proper people... With the proper um, big knives. With the proper, the proper big proper knives. And off you go. Yeah, and yeah. that was what kept the gods on side and held... Where they should the be. The Pax de Orum. Yes, yeah. So, for me, heathenism is orthopractic. Mm. It's faith practically applied after considering the circumstances. Okay. And being able to look at praxis, which is faith in action, if you like. Mm. It's being able to look at a situation and go... How does my faith impact my decision and how do I, what considerations do I put in place to say this is the right action I need to take in this particular circumstance? Yeah. Praxis is a strange word. <laughs> it's an odd word to spell. It's but an unfamiliar one. Yeah, and it's an unfamiliar one, but it essentially means faith through action mm. or faith, right action after consideration of faith. Yeah. And lots of faith traditions use theological reflection and praxis. Um, Christianity, there's probably the most understanding of application of theological reflection. But you also have it in Islam. I was going to say, I would imagine the Abrahamic faiths as a a whole. Oh, very strong. They have a very, very very rich theological tradition in terms of of the the, the sort of scholarly analysis of of all this kind of thing. Which, admittedly, modern heathenism is lacking in the depths of but to be able to take the the understanding of what theological reflection is Mm. and apply it to modern heathenism Mm. will start building up those faith traditions and you might think well why should we adopt this it's been adopted all over the place well it's a mechanism It's it's a mechanism for decision making and it's been used everywhere from teachers in schools to the national decision-making model in police forces. Okay. So it can be used in any kind of context, faith-based or not. Because you're looking, you're looking at a at a, a repeatable cycle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from what you're describing, so we've got identifying the issue. Yeah. 
we've got the building of the detailed description of what the issue yeah. is and the aspects <laughs> of the issue. We're going around the circle, so we've got you build up your your, your theological or your, your religious specific or your tradition specific uh, elements it, that yeah. are that, that that affect it. And then um, apply those and say, right, what happened in this situation? And yeah, and then you finish with your 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 practice phase. So your your your, your application of, of of your of that decision faith. into practicality. In, yeah, and that gives you. I mean, you mentioned the you know how the, the the public services use this cycle, and I and I have you know worked in environments where a similar sort of thing. Mm. Now you've now now we've sort of said it. I'm recognizing the the, the cycle that we're mm. that we're basically playing with and you end up with once you've completed your 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 faith in action or you've completed your 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 strategy or whatever then you are back to stage one a situation but you have a new situation but it's changed so now you can reanalyze it go through the whole cycle again oh yeah and we end up with a yeah yeah yeah. you end up with a repeating spiral if you like Mm. you end up at the same point in the in the circle but not at the same starting point and if there's one thing I know about heathenry, it loves its cycles. We love me some cycles. <laughs> it's what we do. Things go in cycles. Mm. Cyclical time. It's probably quite a tricky one to get your head around. One of the things that can help is a reflective journal. Mm-hmm. And it's not as complicated as it sounds. It can be listing something that happened and then saying, how did that make you feel? Mm. How did you feel about it? What kind of things in the myth cycle or what kind of things in the Havamal or the runes did it remind you of? Yeah. Write them down. Mm. The next time something happens, write it down and say, this was the situation, it reminded me of this. Because every time you do that, you get used to reflecting on your faith in your life and eventually it becomes a regular practice. Yeah. It becomes part of your faith tradition alongside prayer, alongside ritual, it becomes part of helping you get a deeper understanding out of your faith. And the, the more that you do theological reflection, the more that you do reflection, the deeper that you go with it. Mm. The more things, the more connections that you see, the more questions you pull out. If you've ever studied the runes, I've studied them for, for quite a while, and they bring out more questions than answers every dratted time. Yeah. They're like, hang on a minute, doesn't that connect to that? And if that connects to that, then maybe this... Oh, Oh, there you go. Oh, I get it now. But the <coughs> next time I look at the <coughs> same rune, I'll start at that point and go deeper into it. Mm. And the next time I look at that rune, I'll start at the next little point of inset and go deeper into it. So it's an ongoing, deepening understanding of faith. Theological reflection is a way to deepen your faith. Okay. It's a way, it's a tool that you can use to connect mm. things, to keep your faith in your conscious awareness all the time. Mm. Maybe you do. Maybe going from the car to the supermarket, you're putting a little prayer down or you're saying hello to the land spirits. Maybe you're not. Maybe for you, prayer happens in ritual time and between times you just want to put your hammer on and live the best life you can do. Yeah. I cannot tell you how to heathen. <laughs> We have, we might have said this a few times before, (laughs) but we can't. But theological reflection is another tool that you can use Mm. to deepen the faith that you have and to have a deeper understanding and appreciation of the connections that you can personally make Mm. 
Yeah. It's not something that anybody else can live for you, if you like, or show you precisely what to think or what to do. The, the it isn't an orthodoxy thing. It isn't somebody coming along and saying, right, this is this is this is our <laughs> standard. This is our prescribed way doctrine, and you must believe this. Yeah. Mm. No, it's not a standard thing, and everybody that faces the same situation might theologically reflect on it, might apply their little faith goggles to it mm -hmm. and come out with a completely different understanding of what action should be taken. Do it. <laughs> Get on with it and see where it goes. I mean that's only the same as that's only the same as anybody facing a situation. I mean any any group of people yeah. um, facing any situation will look at it and, and you know according apply to their, their life values, values yeah. and their their experiences and memories and so on. And their um, you know, their, their instinctive reactions, conditioned reactions, whatever. Everybody will handle a situation differently. Yes. This is why we train people to do things. You know, it's like we, we train yeah. the military, we train the services and things. We what, train teachers, we train, we train firefighters, yeah. we train first aiders, we train doctors yeah, it's not, to it's, do it's, the it's, same job the same way every time. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I suppose you can, you can apply, you know, you can say the same thing of, of everyone, but this is, this is essentially... Uh, I don't say it's the opposite of training exactly, but it's 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 you're trying to connect to something that is deeply personal. I mean, religion, again, there's that word, sorry, but you know, religion, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, is a very very personal thing. In the end, it is a link between you and the divine. Yes, it's a personal link between you and the divine. Mm. You can talk to a Gothi, you can talk to a Githa, you can talk to somebody who you recognise or feel has more knowledge than you are and they can give you an insight mm. but they can't make that decision for you they can say well this situation is in law and this one is in law yeah but your individual decision it's yours mm. Mm. and your individual faith goggles are yours they well, are there are many like them but <clears throat> these ones are yours yes. this um yes it, i mean it reminds me a, a a little bit of um the the chat we were um listening to and he was talking about in Islam how they will and and, and again now we're now we're talking about it it, it, it reminds me it, it looks like a sort of similar process where they will they will a situation will come up and somebody will will go to their imam or whatever and they'll mm. say I've got this situation I've got this problem I don't know how to how approach, it. approach and, it and, and the yeah. imam will will draw on their knowledge of, of, of the, the, the scripture and the teachings and what have you yeah. um, but if they aren't sure then they will put it out and they, you know there will be sort of the, the, the scholars will look at it and they'll say oh well this is you know this is what it is in, in, in this is how we interpret the, the mm. laws and so on yeah and, and it's it, it sounds like a, looking at it I can imagine a sort of similar process being used oh yeah yes very much so for me one of the ways I can deepen my faith is by applying my faith consciously applying my faith to situations and things that I see, that I interpret, that I experience on a personal level. Mm. And for me, it's one of the things I can do to help that. Mm. It's not necessarily the only thing. It's not necessarily that it's appropriate all the time. No. But it's a tool in my box that I can use. But you can draw on, you can draw on the, 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 the information resources that you've got, yeah. be that your own sense of connection with with the said divine or your you know other other people who are in you know gothar whatever yeah. or um written sources or whatever you, you gather it all together this is your what was it your third stage or thereabouts yeah where you gather, gather everything together, and you're right, together 
There we go. Yeah. Give it time. Yeah. Let it think through. And if you only, you know, if you have an hour to look at this decision, work through the stages one by one. But mm. give each stage a set amount of time so that you know you've got time to complete all your stages. Yeah. Or give it a week. Give it a fortnight. Give it whatever time you can for things just to percolate and settle into place. See what happens. Might yeah. be a tool you can use, might not. But it's there. So I think we've probably noddled their noodles enough. Well, you've noddled mine. <laughs> for today. Brains so. like noodles. <laughs> so, lovely listeners, we will leave you with those thoughts fizzing away in your brain. If you want to find us online. And you do, you know you do. You know you do. Come and find me on Facebook. I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at Gither in Jeans. Awesome. And uh, should you want to find me, Su- 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 Suzanne, Suzanne will be more than happy to share her, her knowledge and experience oh, yeah. with you. Um, Just tell me when to shut up. It's probably easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want ignorance and irrationality, you can find me Woo-hoo! at... Um, Glassrain.net, uh, a website that I update roughly once in a blue moon. Pretty good. And occasionally. Or you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Kate Coldwind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it, really. Lovely. Well, lovely listeners, we've come to the end. Oh, I don't do anything, by the way. I don't, I don't like... Episode. No, there's nothing creative <laughs> or anything. I'm just there. Okay. So. It's all good. Yeah. All right. Lovely listeners, we've come to the end of today's episode. So we will talk to you all next time. Episode 47. 47. Oh, that's an important one. Um, well. That's the, that's 48's going to be funnier. Well, 47's the magic Star Trek number. Is it? Yeah. Oh, we, you best, look at, we best throw some Trekkie references into that one. Yeah, you look at, um, you look at uh, Star Trek and the number 47 appears. Anytime there's a number, yeah. it's usually 47. Okay. Uh, also from the old series Alias. Why am I... The old series Alias. It was only a year or two ago. I'm not that old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alias. Had a lot of 47s in it as well. I'm sorry, were you saying something? No. Okay. Talk to you all next time, lovely listeners. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah.